Well, bless the Lord. Good morning. Are you ready to get into the Word this morning? Yeah? All right. Well, we're continuing our series here. We are on part eight of Creed, uh, as we know from our awesome little... uh, lead in there. Uh, As we've looked at the Apostles' Creed, you know, the idea is looking into all of what the Word of God tells us about uh, be aware of your doctrine, make sure you have sound doctrine, uh, know what you believe, why you believe it. And so this Apostles' Creed, you know, is uh, as it's an ancient creed that was handed down to us uh, through the generations of believers. And uh, there's, there's, you know, different articles, different statements, statements uh, that we've been going through one at a time because they represent uh, just key treasure troves of what Scripture says about these very important areas. And when it comes down to it, the Apostles' Creed, ultimately, uh, if, if we're confronted with something uh, that, that speaks contrary to what we see in the Apostles' Creed, we can't call it Christian. You know, this becomes a really, really good guide for us to be able to discern and understand. In our modern day, there's a lot of different uh, perspectives on uh, some theological points. But man, when you get down to the Apostles' Creed, this is, you know, just basic, foundational, orthodox. Uh, If we're outside of this, we're outside of Christianity. Can you say amen? So as we go through here today, we're going to be shifting gears a little bit, and and I'm actually just going to go back through, uh, you know, in our first week, the first article says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Uh, Then the second article, and then for the last several weeks, we've been talking about Jesus Christ. So it goes on to say, I believe, uh, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And then we got into last week, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And so all those statements, that second one through the seventh one, those six articles all spoke of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we shift today and we have one statement here, a little bit shorter of a statement, but oh, so, so, so important for us uh, as believers, as followers of Christ. And it is, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? I believe in the Holy Ghost. And as we look and as we go back through, uh, you know, the creed and, and uh, when, when uh, this began to be formulated together out of the preaching of the Word of God, you know, there, there were several functions and one of them was to make sure, as I said earlier, that doctrine, that, that belief stayed on track, what we, what we believe, what we hold on to. And so when we look at the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament understanding uh, was, was very, very minimal of the Trinity. There was no uh, revelation of the Trinity. In fact, uh, became a bit of, a, of an obstacle uh, for, for the new church to grasp and understand three in one. You know, because uh, God says in the Old Testament, behold, the Lord your God is one God, right? We see all these, these different pictures. But right back, I mean, right in the beginning in Genesis, in, in creation, we see in the Spirit of God 
hovering over the deep. You know, we see different pictures of uh, the Trinity at work in the Old Testament. The, the name Elohim, one of the names given to God, um, is referring to the majesty of God, but there's a plurality to that word. And so it wasn't understood in the Old Testament that that plurality related to three different persons, you know, three in one. But in the New Testament, we do see it unfolded, right? We see in the baptism of Jesus, the, the Father speaking, Jesus being baptized, and then the Holy Spirit coming down uh, and, and resting on him. We, we see the Apostle Paul and others sharing doctrine and, and sharing things uh, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so when we, we have the creed letting us know, I believe in uh, the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Holy Ghost, this is a declaration here that he is a third co-equal, co-eternal member of the Godhead, right? Holy Spirit is not the force, right? He's a person, you know, and, and, and this is something that's being laid out in, in the early move of the church, you know, as the book of Acts, you know, tells us the explosion uh, of the church on the scene in Pentecost, and, and, and now the gospel is getting preached. Before they knew it, there were a lot of people saying things that weren't coming from God. And so there needed to be clarification of what was God, what was coming from God. And so we see this picture here, uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, when we look at the Old Testament picture, another key for us to recognize, Old Testament versus New Testament, the Holy Spirit, when it came to people, to human beings, Holy Spirit would come upon somebody for a particular event, action, and then, and then he, he would uh, come off them. Uh, we, we see times where, you know, God's glory fell and they couldn't stand in, in his presence and that kind of thing. We, we read about in the Holy of Holies in the temple where the Ark of the Covenant was, that that's where the manifest presence of God was. But there was no picture of Holy Spirit dwelling indefinitely with, with, with an individual person. But how many know the Bible tells us in the New Covenant, uh, it's a greater covenant than what we had in the Old Testament, right? It says in Scripture, far better covenant, because now uh, as we, uh, as Jesus dies and rises from the dead, conquering King of Kings, paying the price for all of humanity, now Holy Spirit is given. Uh, Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, and the promise of the Holy Spirit comes for us and dwells inside of us. To, to live inside of us. Pastor Walt makes the point in our, in our study that we're doing in our small groups, uh, a couple of things here uh, th that it, it was, the Holy Spirit coming was permanent. It was an indwelling event. Uh, we, we read about this in Scripture where uh, we, we see Holy Spirit being likened to a well of living water on the inside of us, a well that's on the inside of us. And then we see Holy Spirit being likened to rivers of living water uh, that are to pour out of us. So this is really important for us uh, to understand uh, the, the, the function of Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. But remember this series on creed is, is really, we want to be working into constantly asking, so how do I live it? So how do I live it? So how do I live the, you know, so I believe in the Holy Ghost. What does that mean about how I'm supposed to live? And that's where we're going to really uh, lean into uh, here today. Um, 
We read in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. We, we, we learn from Scripture, Jesus talking to Nicodemus says, uh, unless a person is born again, they can't see the Father, right? They can't enter the kingdom. And, and so Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us, when a person is born again, it's a miraculous, it's a, it's a miracle that happens. It's a miraculous exchange. The price gets paid, and now Holy Spirit indwells us. That's that well of living water. That's permanent. Nothing's going to take that away. He take that away. He's that that seal, and uh, that is that seal is there. That deposit is there until we eventually see uh, Father face to face and get a new glorified body. Come on, can you say Amen? Good good things are coming down the road. So what I want to get into here today. So th- this this function of Holy Spirit. Jesus goes to the Father. Holy Spirit comes here for us, uh, we are to recognize that He is our partner in ministry. He is our partner in living our lives. And, and actually, uh, Dr. Cho, who uh, is pastor of the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea, um, he wrote a book, and I, and I love his book. He said, Holy, Holy Spirit, my senior partner. And I love that he acknowledges that, you know, you know, he's not along for the ride. He's the senior partner in this arrangement. But th- this is why we, we say so often that Christianity, biblical Christianity, it's not a religion. It's a relationship, right? Religion would be so you've been given all this stuff that happened, all these things to believe. Now Jesus goes away and says, I'm coming back someday. And now you just, just you, you know, you've got these instructions, figure it out. But as a relationship, Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of us. And I'm kind of beating that drum and going back to that. I want to keep hitting that over and over again because I want our biggest takeaway out of this morning to be how much do, do we live in awareness that Holy Spirit is living inside us and He's talking and He's wanting to lead us every step of the way uh, as, as we walk through life. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, but that's where we're going. So if you're following along in the notes, uh, the, the first statement that you can fill in along with, uh, the Spirit within, that's that well of living water, right, that we read about in Scripture, comes upon us to do what? To empower us to do the works of Jesus. Right? The, the commandment to the early disciples was go, go wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. You'll, you'll be endued with power, clothed with power, so that you can be my witnesses, right? In Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost, you know, to, to the ends of the earth. You know, Holy Spirit is here that we can be clothed with power to, to live as a witness for Him. So we have Him within. And then he comes upon to empower us to do the works of Jesus. Let's take a look in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, began speaking in other languages or tongues as the Holy Spirit 
gave them the ability. So this word where it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, this word in the Greek uh, speaks of being wholly or entirely imbued. Uh, that's permeated, saturated, drenched, you know, filled, influenced, affected with the Holy Spirit. And so th this, this whole scene happens and kind of pours out onto the street and people are marveling and this whole crowd is gathered and then Peter stands up in boldness. Now, I I'm going to go back to this in a second, but l let's get the picture here. So what, what the word tells us is people spill out onto the street and they're speaking all of these different languages, praising and glorifying God. And this is during the, the, the Feast of Pentecost, so folks are gathered in from all these different nations, and they're hearing people not from their nations speaking in their languages, glorifying God. And in and, and this whole scene, there's such joy, there's such exuberance, there, there's, there's this, this undignified, all-out praise and glorifying of God to the point where these folks gathered and said, have they been drinking? What's been going on here? You, you know, so, so we'll go back to that. It's interesting what it looks like when a heart is abandoned to the Lord in worship and when Holy Spirit is, is, is stirring us, right? So, so all of this is going on. Peter preaches, and then the response is, well, what, what should we do here? And, and let's pick back up in verse 38. Peter replies, replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. So, so we need to understand a couple of things here. These people gathered in the upper room, they're born again. Can you say amen? amen? They're born again, and the well of living water is in there. But then we see Holy Spirit poured out here on the day of Pentecost, and now rivers of living water are pouring out of them. And people are looking at this, and, and Peter is preaching and telling them, this is the gift that was promised, this endowment of power to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, right? This is the, that's the context of what, what Jesus was sharing. And this gift is for not just you, not just for the generation of the apostles, but for as many, for all whom the Lord our God will call. How many know that's talking about you? And that's talking about me. That promise of the Holy Spirit, this power to be his witness. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is intended for every genuine disciple of Christ. That is that it's to be the normal experience of every believer for us to live filled with God's Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? All right, let's look at Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, and let's go over to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to start at verse 17. Again, this is in the New Living Translation here this morning. Uh, it says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. I love how straightforward that is. In other translations, it says, don't be drunk with wine, that it leads to excess. Another translation says, debauchery. This just says, hey, it's going to ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So, you know, we look at our creed handed down from the apostles who, who firsthand walked out the book of Acts. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Spirit. 
And he is here as the third member of the Trinity to be our comforter, to be our our guide, and to be the one that will empower us to live as a witness for the Lord. So for the remaining few minutes that we have left here, I want to share a couple of things that the Spirit-filled life will do for us. All right, number one, it will draw others to Christ through you. Again, going back to the day of Pentecost, going back to verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Not, not a bad altar call. 3,000 people responding that day, right? And then in Acts 4, uh, verse 4, a few chapters later, but many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Here's the thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't repel people from the gospel. It draws people to the gospel. If we make the determination, Lord, I want to live a Spirit-filled life, then it's going to be that as people encounter God's Spirit in us, I mean, hey, it, it turned the world upside down, but there was no doubt that it was the Lord that people were having interaction with. Can you say amen? It was, I think it might have been uh, Pastor Diana a couple of Wednesdays ago uh, talking about, I forget which uh, kind of champion of the faith walking through the, the factory floor just to talk to somebody, to have a conversation. And, and the glory of God on this spirit-filled man of God, the glory was just so coming off him that it was bringing conviction to those that were around him, you know? Uh, you, you know, we ought to be challenged to say, you, you know, what does the spirit-filled life look like? I, I don't know exactly on how to put um, weights and measures on it, but I want to be as filled as I possibly can be, and I know I'm not there yet, right? I can remember hearing stories of Smith Wigglesworth, you know, uh, apostle of faith and miracles and signs and wonders happened through him, and I, I remember uh, reading of a testimony of a minister who had heard about meetings with, with this man of God that was uh, so believing, so in faith, so committed to living the Spirit-filled life that the glory of God would fall in these pastor's prayer meetings the, the glory would get so strong that, that people would have to leave the room. Literally, just God's glory, His holiness, His manifest presence, so, so strong that people would be exiting the room. And I remember reading this testimony of a young minister that said, you know, like, well, so I heard all that's left was Smith in that room. And yeah, I, 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 next time I want to be in a scenario where, where I'm staying in there with him. And he goes on and he gives account that there was, you know, at some point in the future there where he was in this prayer meeting with him and, and the same kind of thing happened. And he just speaks of just the glory of God that he actually couldn't, couldn't, couldn't stay in that place of fellowship with the Lord because he had allowed enough of his glory to be manifest. But yet here was a guy who was able to just continue and tarry and fellowship. How many recognize that's not Holy Spirit saying, well, hey, I'm sorry, I've got favorites, right? No, instead that was a a life committed to saying, I I just want to keep going deeper and be more filled and go deeper and be more filled. So he's not the ultimate barrier, right? We can say that ultimately it's us. You know, how far can I go? How far can I go in, in, in fellowship and in being filled with Holy Spirit? All right, a Spirit-filled life number two will give you divine boldness. In Acts 4, uh, Acts 4 and starting in verse 39, uh, the, the believers are praying after, uh, after being persecuted and threatened. It says, Now, O Lord, hear their threats. 
and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. So we need to understand the folks that are praying here to be filled with the Holy Spirit are are also folks that were there in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. So they were filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Now here it is, Acts chapter 4, and they need to be filled again. So in other words, this, this being filled, and again, uh, uh, we read about it in our book with Pastor Walt there. Uh, in the Greek, we're told to be filled with the Spirit. It's be being filled. You know, so what does that mean? What does that look like? Why do I need to be filled over and over again? Well, I heard one uh, pastor say, well, we need that because we leak. You know, and I thought, oh, th- yeah, that's, that's not bad. That, that's, that's, that's a good thought. But I think it's also a picture of we pour out and then we need to be filled back up. You know, and, and, and hey, it's a challenge for us if we're feeling dry to take some inventory. Have I stopped pouring out? You know, we don't want to be like the Dead Sea where, you know, the, the living water is flowing in and it's staying in but instead making sure that there's an outlet uh, for us to be pouring out. But how many know that it requires some courage to say, Lord, fill your servants with boldness and, and, and work miracles and lift up the name of Jesus through your servants here, right? Take some courage because it's going to stir things up uh, as we see God's kingdom advance. All right, uh, a third uh, uh, thought about a spirit-filled life, it will have the power of God available to do signs, wonders, and miracles. And so Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 14, says, Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. And crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, uh, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. And so we see this picture, the Spirit-filled life, right? If we read in uh, Corinthians, we read about the gifts of the Spirit, and we have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and uh, discerning of spirits, and uh, working of miracles, the gift of faith, all these uh, different gifts. And it's interesting, it, it tells us in there that they, it, it te- we're told, we're instructed to earnestly desire the best gifts, Actually, the word desire is is the same word in other places we use for covet. It's the only time it's used in like a positive sense. Earnestly covet the best gifts. You know, I remember reading that and thinking, well, what are the best gifts? You know, is it like, well, top three and then, you know, the others, you know, and then, then, uh, you know, I realized, uh, I guess it's whatever gift you need at the time, right? If somebody's blind, they don't need a word of knowledge to know somebody's blind. They need the, the working of miracles and the gift of healing at that time. But these gifts, they're as Holy Spirit wills, as we live in cooper- cooperation with Him, and as we are living the Spirit-filled life. There's a dimension of ministry and a dimension of the work of God's Spirit that will happen as we are filled with the Spirit. As opposed, to, so, so there's a dimension of the work of God as rivers of living water pour out of us, as opposed to the, the well of living water that's in us because we belong to God. 
So it's not diminishing that, but it's talking about uh, the, the work of ministry clothed with, uh, with power. So we have the power available to do signs, wonders, and miracles. These things happen in faith. These things happen in obedience as we, you know, step out and, and trust the Lord in these areas. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, so let's go on. Uh, a spirit-filled life will empower you to serve and grow the church. Hey, by the way, th- there is one thought that I, I brought up in first service that I, I just thought was good for us to mention. You know, there are some, and, and I, I'm usually like, I don't want to uh, dig at anybody else, any other denomination or anything. I don't, I don't make a habit of that from the platform, you know. But I do want to make some comments for as we're trying to follow the Lord and, and walk in faith, there, there's a mindset out there, there's a belief out there that these things passed away with the apostles. But when you look at the word in context of itself, that doesn't make any sense scripturally. You know, even there's a lot of different ways we can look at it, but, but here's just one. It tells us that in these last days, as a matter of fact, we read about it in Revelation, um, there will be uh, miracles, signs, and wonders that are false. Now, now hear me, it doesn't say, so whenever you see a miracle, sign, and wonder, no, it's false. It doesn't say that. It says, there will be miracles and signs and wonders that will lead some people astray in the context of there's going to be a real and there's going to be a counterfeit. And, and again, this is going on all the way back in the book of Acts. You know, it tells us in the Word. So if, if, if somebody is saying, you, you know, that Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, guess what? That spirit's not from God. You know, it's kind of, he's giving discernment 101. How do we discern what we're hearing, right? So the whole picture is the, the word wouldn't tell us how to discern the real from the false if there wasn't going to be real and false. Otherwise, it would say, don't listen to any of it. Can you say amen? But we're called to listen. We're called to discern. We're called to judge. And we look at the fruit and we look at as Jesus being lifted up in the process. So, you know, when it comes to miracle signs and wonders, uh, boy, we're in a day more than ever before. Uh, as we see God pour out his spirit around our world, uh, it's, it's going to be those, those things that draw people to Christ. Right? There's, there's more skepticism in our world than ever before. Uh, that's when God usually ups the outpouring of the miracles, the unexplainable things, the things that just can't be explained. So the world can see, yep, there, there is a God, you know, and Jesus did die and rise from the dead uh, for humanity. All right, amen. So let's, let's go on over to uh, number four, a spirit-filled life will empower you to serve and grow the church. So in Acts chapter six, let's start with verse three. But as the believers rapidly multiplied there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles uh, should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. Now, I just want to comment there. That's not the apostles saying, we're doing the important work. We're not called to do the unimportant work. What they're saying is, we have a work that we're called to do, and we can't pull away from this work that we're called to do to do a work that somebody else is called to do. Can you say amen? Because all of the work is important uh, in in the Lord's hands as he's orchestrating all of this. Can you say amen? Amen. 
So it, it says, um, and so, so the brothers, this is in verse 3, they selected seven men who are well-respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So, so here they are. They're the tip of the spear, breaking forth the kingdom of God, this, this, this whole new paradigm of the new covenant. Man, they're, they're in prayer. They're, they're in the word uh, because they are being used to, to bring this new covenant uh, to, to the world. It says uh, in verse 6, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. Uh, and actually, I passed over, but the verses above that list all, all the people out there. Stephen was one of them. Uh, and God's message in verse 7 continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted as well. Isn't that interesting? When everybody functions in the role that God has called them to, uh, God's kingdom advances. So there is no... Uh, you know, uh, this job is better than this one, or this job is more important than this one, all of it together works towards God's agenda of advancing his kingdom and seeing lost people saved. Amen? Amen. So exciting. So it goes on here. Uh, in verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Church, that's everyday ministry by everyday believers because the promise is for you, for your children, your children's children, for as many as the Lord God will call. This promise of the Holy Spirit to be endued with power to be his witness to the world around us. So isn't that exciting to begin to think, so what does stepping in a greater way of trust and a greater way of pursuit of, of God's agenda for my life. What does that look like for me in my circles of influence? Uh, I was just having some conversations, just having some conversations this week. Uh, we're going to get some testimony that, that, that'll be shared soon. Just taking God opportunities, somebody in need of healing. Well, let me pray for you in Jesus' name and God bringing healing. And then that person saying, you, you know, like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this just happened. And then, and then our brother being able to say, and give glory to God. It was God who did it, right? Every, miracles in the everyday uh, coming and going of our life. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. I'm just thinking here on the church property, then we start seeing like, ah oh man, I'm not working in the nursery only. I'm praying for these families praying that God's anointing would be in their homes. I'm praying for these little ones that God's destiny would be unfolded in their life. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm interceding for these little ones so that every last thing that God wants to be accomplished gets accomplished in their lives. Can you say amen? You know, our, our ushers, our faithful ushers moving around and, you know, as they notice, you know, uh, who's new, you know, looking around uh, who, who, who might be here for the first time so I can pray that they meet the Lord interceding. Us as a church family, when we do the altar call, every one of us saying, God hears our prayers as we agree together. Let's lift anybody up that's not yet knowing Jesus and let's bring them before God so that they can respond and be saved. You know, the, the, the coffee station. Well, coffee bean is miraculous enough, right? So we could probably say that that's, that's good just right where it is, right? Thank God for coffee. Amen. Sometimes I look at it, I say, Lord, you gave us the bean. Hallelujah. You know? 
I think just having the coffee station and we got godly people that are there smiling and loving on people as well. No, but seriously, do you hear what I'm saying? Every opportunity just to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in the moment? We, we have tasks that need to make things happen, but then as Holy Spirit will breathe on us, I've had the difference in my life, how about you, where I've just done the task or when I've done it as God has been speaking and I've been obedient to his voice and it's an entirely different encounter that happens, right? Amen. All right, so let's see, uh, a spirit-filled life will, number five, set the captives free. And you have a, a, a scripture there uh, in the note sheet from Acts chapter 16. This is uh, Paul and Silas. You know, they're, they're imprisoned for preaching Christ. Uh, they're, they're beaten, you know, stripped down, and their hands and feet are, are put in, in the stocks, the, the stockade there. And they pray to God and they worship. And it says that they prayed and they worshiped and the, uh, the prisoners were listening to what they said. And, you know, what I think is so awesome, you know, when, when we ask God to move, if we're in a tight place, if we're in a prison place, you know, just all pressure, all hell is coming against us, and we cry out to God, and then we move to worship, that's, that's a step of, and Lord, I know it's already done, and so I'm just going to worship and praise you, right? It, it pulls our faith out. And, and, and it pulls us to a place of being able to say, so I won't be moved by what I see. I'll be moved by my, my trust in the Word of God. And, and I heard a pastor say a while back, if you can't worship God in the prison you're in, you're never going to worship Him when you get out. I thought, wow, I think that's a, that's a fork in the road that every believer, when they have that spot where they feel like the enemy has encased around them, has to make that decision. I might not see the way out. I might not see the door open, but I'm going to praise God anyway. All right? And, and we read in, the, in this, this instance, as they're worshiping, uh, actually, in, in verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Wow. The answer came during the praise. And even the, the jailer, you know, winds up getting saved. It's, it's an incredible picture here. Um, all right, the last one that we'll look at and then, then we'll wrap up. A spirit-filled life, number six, will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so there's a great, great passage here in Galatians that really ties up where we want to land on this. It's Galatians 5, 16 to 21. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other. Can anybody else say amen? amen? Right? So that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But we go down to uh, Galatians 5, uh, verses 24 to 26, and it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Amen. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Does that encourage your heart? He has a leading for us in every part of our lives. And it goes on, it continues, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So as we, as we look at this whole picture of, uh, I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in God's Holy Spirit here to empower us, here as a seal, here to do the ongoing work in us and through us. And when we are yielded to him, it's his boldness, it's his strength, it's his power that will be at work in our lives. Right? Even earlier when we talked about it's the Lord that draws, uh, uh, it'll be the work of the Holy Spirit drawing others to God. Aren't you glad it's, it doesn't have to be based on whether or not we're, we're like really charming people or not? Right? It's not based on personality. It can be whatever personality we are with that fragrance of Christ in our lives, it is going to draw people to him, and they'll be saved. Just us being who God shaped us to be, uh, walking that out. And so, uh, as we look at how do we live this portion here, I think we see such great things from Galatians 5 here. Nailing the passions and desires of our sinful nature to the cross— goes back to Jesus saying, take up your cross daily and follow me. So that's a choice of faith to say, I, I crucified the flesh. I don't want to live by it. And since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow his leading in every area of our lives. Can you say amen? amen. Anybody else feel challenged by what you heard here today? I just felt such a, a challenge from the Lord on this. Felt like the Lord is actually, I, it was during the week last week. Um, I heard the Lord telling me, uh, I've got a narrower path for you. I said, yes, Lord. <laughs> right? And that's probably something we could all receive the challenge of, right? So here in our next steps, here, here's a couple of things I want us to just ponder. With the Lord, let him speak to us. Number one, and, and these are in your notes, you can take it away, reflect, you know, at another time too. What is one way you can become more aware of the Holy Spirit's leading in your life this next week? You know, so I'm, I'm thinking back to, you know, uh, you know, one of the church fathers uh, from, you know, ages ago, Brother Lawrence, he wrote a Christian classic called Practicing the Presence of God. You know, so what's one way that we could be, become more aware, you know, if, if we just write in Galatians there, uh, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That means He's wanting to speak to us about every part of our lives. And so what's, what's one way that we can become just more aware of his presence, more aware? I love the songs that we sang in worship today, you know, I'll make room for you. 
You know, and that, that can kind of really lead into the, the second thought here too. What's one way you can more let the Holy Spirit guide your life? And I know those questions sound very similar. I think the first one is, how can I learn to discern his voice more? You know, that's him, that's not him. And I, I think that the second question is leaning a little more into, all right, in my life, uh, what's one way you can more let him guide your life? Is there something specific that you see him leaning into? Is there, is there something in the arena of habits? Do, don't do. Is there, what does it look like to make more room for him? You know, I beat this drum and, and I will continue to do so. We, in, in our modern culture, the, the, one of the plagues of our generation that would come against us living a spirit-filled life is the amount of distraction that is everywhere around us. You know, so, so very well could be one way I can more let Holy Spirit guide my life is to just get some of the noise out so that there's more opportunity to listen. You know, years ago, I can remember in the youth ministry, uh, I, I, I was trying to do an example. Uh, I, I took a, like a, a boom box and um, just had like a Christian song playing. And then we had all of this noise going on. And, you know, the, the whole illustration was, you know, who was making a bunch of racket, uh, who was talking, who was just, you know, there was so much chatter. And then what we found as we stilled this and stopped that and stopped that and stopped that, all of a sudden you could hear that that thing was playing the whole time. You know, it, it was getting enough of the distraction and the noise out to actually hear his voice. And then just as, uh, as a final Memorizing the scripture is just so, so good for us. So we're back to Galatians 5.25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so I think a great way we can do that is to just begin, you know, start our day saying, Holy Spirit, would you fill me up to overflowing? Would you just fill me today? Fill me today. And then each day, just throughout the day, thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling me. You know, why don't you stand with me as we close? We're going to wrap up in prayer. Um, <clears throat> there are times and there will be times where we will call folks forward and we'll have altar workers and we'll lay hands and we'll pray for baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, but part of today, what I was really hoping we could do is begin to get a picture in a greater way for the Spirit-filled life. Can you say amen? amen? You know, just what we looked at there from, from Galatians there, right? he's wanting to talk in every area. So I want to speak more to lifestyle as, in, you know, growing a lifestyle uh, where we live as Spirit-filled believers. And I even believe in that there, there are going to be times where people will be sovereignly baptized by the Holy Spirit in your homes, in prayer times with your family, husbands and wives praying together, families praying together. I believe there'll, there'll be times where just sovereignly that'll happen and, and for those that are filled with the Spirit to be refilled and, and that kind of a thing. Um, but I want to ask us, I want to encourage us as a church family, could we begin to make a declaration stir up our faith for a spirit-filled life and begin to just proclaim, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come fill me to overflowing today. Thank you for filling me. 
Jesus, it does tell us in the word that Jesus is the baptizer. Jesus, you have baptized us in the Holy Spirit. The promise is for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone whom the Lord will call. Lord, I receive that today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's our senior partner, right? How often do we uh, miss opportunity to be in tune? Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying? I think, unfortunately, a lot of times he's the most neglected member of, of the Trinity. Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? All right, so let's close in prayer. And, and again, the, the challenge is just, if we can just keep it on our lips, keep our, our hearts stirred up and keep it in prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill. Mm, what does that look like? Hallelujah. Amen. So Lord, as we close here today, Holy Spirit, we say, you are so welcome. And we do ask, precious Spirit of God, would you meet us here now and pour upon each and every one that's here, Lord, that you would fill us to overflowing. We thank you for all that you desire to do, Lord, in us and through us. And Holy Spirit, may we in the days ahead carry a greater awareness, grow us, in a greater awareness of your voice, your leading, your unction in our lives, that we would more and more discern your presence, more and more discern your instruction, and more and more allow you to speak into every area of our lives. That's a dangerous prayer, church, isn't it? But that's a prayer of surrender. Holy Spirit, speak to it all, even the things that I don't want you speaking to. I trust you, so have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. And when we just say together as a, as a church family, we are in continued pursuit of a fresh, sustained, outpouring, mm. Forgive us where we've not discerned and recognized your presence personally and corporately. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Forgive every place where we've missed the mark, whether it's ignorance, carnality, or anything else. Just wash us clean and help us again to, to move forward, to be a place where no matter what else happens here, people would say, the Lord is there. And Lord, not just when we gather here together, but then in all that we would do week in and week out, that we would carry your glory, that we would carry your presence, that we would hear your voice. So Lord, before we know it, a new year will be upon us. Lord, thank you for all that you've done in this last bunch of months pulling us out of such difficult years. And although there's been ongoing difficulties, Lord, in this, this new season of time, help us understand our times. Help us know what to do. Lead us forward, Holy Spirit, we pray.